0: I was in my mid 20s in radio and uh, did a station event at the station I was working at and some guy came by, we got to talking younger than me, probably five years younger than me, maybe still a teenager. I don't know. He might've been 20 years old or so. And and as we chatted, he was very friendly. He was interested in the station and all the stuff that we were doing. Uh, He mentioned at one point that he was about to inherit a lot of money. He wouldn't say how much, but the way he talked, it sounded like a large amount, like millions of dollars. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And he came to a few other station events and, and uh, asked actually to come by the station and see the studio. And we we said, sure, no problem. He came by and visited. And he kept talking about this money that he was going to eventually inherit. He wasn't sure when it was going to happen, but it was not too far away. And he even offered, I think, to, to help set me up in a business if I wanted to or get me something. I'm not even sure what it was. Looking back, this is a long time ago. And as time went on, the story kept going on, but it kept changing a little bit. And at one point I said, you know what? Guy's completely full of it. It's total BS. This, this is not happening. He's just doing that because you know he needs the attention, uh, and I'm not sure why. But uh, for whatever reason, it got him attention, and it got people talking about him and wanting to spend time with it. So hey, I admit it. Uh, I I I bought it for a while. I'm a trusting guy. I I believe in people, and I believe that they're you know taking. I'm taking it at their word. I, I'm sure as time has gone on, the older I get, the the better my bs detector is but uh, you know i believe people are generally good at heart hey this is tim patterson and uh, trade show guy monday morning coffee for october 28th is it the 28th really let me check my calendar wow that's going by zooming by Whoosh. Uh, yeah and so uh this is the trade show guy monday morning coffee thank you for joining me got a great guest i'm gonna Uh, share with you in just a few moments. Um, You know, I was thinking about, though, why we believe in certain things, why we believe what people say. I mean, you can get all sorts of uh, directions on this, but uh, as a young person, I think your beliefs are largely formed by your parents. If your parents see the world largely as a good and welcoming place, you're going to do the same. Uh, I was lucky in that I had a largely idyllic childhood, had great parents And I grew up uh, thinking, you know, everyone grew up the same as I. I think we probably all thought the same as, as, you know, as a very young person. And as you get older into your teen years, you think, you know, not everyone has it the same as me. Uh, Belief systems have always fascinated me. Not everyone believes what I do. People have different beliefs about politics, uh, religion, you know, life after death. Uh, They have different opinions. They have have beliefs about how hard work can make you a million dollars or not. You know, we could talk about belief systems all day. They're really stories we tell ourselves to define our personal sense of reality. Every human being has a belief system that they utilize, and it is through this mechanism that we, you know, make sense of the world around us. I think the test we have as humans is to challenge our belief system and what we believe. Is it is it true? Should we even know if what we believe is true? As long as we believe it to be true, is that even important? I don't want to get too deep into the rabbit hole of politics, but I will make this observation. Uh, A few decades ago, the various uh, political parties, the two main ones and some of the offshoots, the smaller ones, generally agreed on the facts of the world. They may have disagreed on how to interpret the facts or what we should do about the facts, how we should approach that. Uh, But my sense and recollection is that we largely agreed on the facts. Now, I'm not so sure. I've spent a lot of time talking about this uh, very topic with a very uh, politically active friend of mine who's been involved in politics for decades. And his take is that today we have a very difficult time even believing or agreeing what the facts are. This party over here has one belief. This party over here has another belief on what the facts are. (laughs) Facts to me are facts. They're indisputable because it's a fact. Gravity works all the time. That's a fact, you know, so now that we're at this place where we can't even agree on the facts, I I wonder that where that will lead us. Anyway, stuff to ponder. And now for something completely different. No, maybe not that different at all. Uh, My guest in this week's podcast is Sam Smith, Managing Director at Interactive Meeting Technology and Social Point. Uh, They get involved in creating software as a service for interactivity for trade show exhibitors. Great fun. Uh, I learned a lot about how their tools work. Let's take a look and a listen to this conversation I had with Sam. Well, I want to welcome Sam Smith from Social Point to uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Sam, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Uh, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me today.
0: Indeed. So you're in your basement. Is that what you told me in the green room?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks so, pretty I'm nice, in, though. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm in the basement today. So
0: yeah. So tell me about Social Point uh, and what is it? How do you describe it to people who have never heard of it?
1: Yeah, so... Um, We like to think about it as it's an audience engagement platform, um, and it's really designed for event marketers that are really trying to create audience engagement experiences for their exhibit booth, for their sales meetings, or for their customer events. And what we try to do is give you enough tools that we can create these experiences pretty quickly, right? Whether it's a trivia game or um, an activation where you want to just collect a lot of data, but show it on a real screen, show it on a big screen things like that, there, you know, there's a lot we can get into. Right. Um, but those um, that software, trying to make it fast so you can get, get a product together fast, but also be flexible so that you can match the type of your brand, your audience, and the event scenario that you have. Because not all booths, as you know, not all booths are the same, but also not all events are the same, or the audience, and they react differently to different kinds of things. So we try to match that. Um, and I'd probably say one more thing that's unique about us is that instead of just giving the clients the software and saying, good luck, right? We actually have a customer success team that will guide them through the process of putting it together. And we do that because we deal with so many different events and games and unique scenarios that they don't see and they won't see um, that our team can solve something in about two minutes for them where they might make a lot of mistakes and we're just trying to, to get them to be successful as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned other things besides trade shows. Most of your work is at trade shows, is that correct? But you do other Yeah, th-
1: yeah we work with a lot of exhibitors, but we also work in um, uh, sales meetings and customer events. And so uh, in those kind of, in those events, we're doing things that could be audience response, um, it, but we have a new product that we're, we seem to be doing more of where it's event gamification. Um, And so what their clients are trying to do is how do I get my sales team to be engaged over time or how do I drive um, more people onto the trade show floor, right? So a trade show manager might be looking for solutions in that way, right? And so those are some things we'll
0: do. I think one of the biggest challenges to an exhibitor when they've got people walking by is, is to get someone to stop. You want them to, to be a part of what's going on there. So you give them something going on and I'm just kind of going through your website, digital fishbowl, virtual prize wheels, games and stuff. Uh, so this kind of makes people stand out. How did you come up with these games and what uh, kind of things uh, work best? And you know, you say you had quite a few uh, tools that you can use. Yeah. In
1: area. yeah so it, it depends on, you know, back to your booth, back to your event, right? Who are the people, right? So engineers react differently than marketers or nurses react differently than doctors, right? right? So, so how you attract them. So what we're we're really trying to help our clients solve the problem of how do I get people into my booth, right? And so let's take an example. We have a trivia bar product and it, and it's really interesting in, in two different ways to drive people in. First of all, it has a leaderboard. And then there's a crowd of people around iPads playing this game. Right. And so that's two tools that you have outside of right promotion and people trying to pull people in. Right? You of course you're gonna use those as an exhibitor, right, to try to draw people into your booth. Exactly. Now I've got this leaderboard. And what's cool about the leaderboard is it says Sam Smith up there. You're like, Oh, I'm I know I know Sam. He's he shouldn't be on any leaderboard. What? And then people come up and play. Now from the attendees point of view, they're playing a game and having fun, but from the client's point of view, now kind of moving away from the, hey, we've drawn you into our booth, now what? You're collecting a lot of data around your marketing objectives about those people and about what they know, right? So if you've designed your trivia game content correctly, it's aligned to your top marketing objectives. So while in your booth, you may have hospitality activities, you may have demos, you may have product stations, you may have a small presentation area, right? And all of those are kind of aligned to, you know, where you are in the buying cycle, right? But the game can collect data and really reinforce all of those messages. So it gives them another way to hear it. And then you have analytics that you can report out on when were people in the booth? How did they go? do they know the content or not right and it's a good evaluation.
0: So I'm curious so all this data and metrics and analytics that you come up with is this something that is part of your pitch or is that something that kind of came later when you started doing the, the gamification and all this stuff and, and you realized that you had a source of great information for those uh, exhibitors how how did that work I'm just curious uh, how, how they feel about it as well. Yeah so
1: so our background and history is in is in audience engagement right and so um, we used to spend a lot of time with events and designing events and really trying to design these different types of experiences. So when we started in the trade show space, we already had a lot of that thinking in place, right? And had some, and we have a chart that, um, that's in one of, well, it's on all of the different dashboards and it's called a participation chart. So you might want to see how often do people participate? And in some events, the goal is we want people to participate and participate and participate in others like your booth. You may want them to, Come back two or three times, but that's it—only two times, right? Play twice right. or three times, whatever <laughs> it might be, and then go away, right? Because we need to get the next people through. But some booths also don't—the—the the, um—the clients don't always have a shiny object, uh, an Apple Watch or things like that to draw people in, right? They don't; their products aren't aren't always the most exciting, so they'll use the game, and they might want people to play and play and play because it makes their booth look busy all the time. Well, yeah, <laughs> Makes right? sense. even though that person is, is there playing, you know, they want, they want that, but the data behind it, we can then look and see how are they playing and, and measure that. And so that's something that's kind of been in our mind for, for a long time. How do we capture that? Cause we're always interested in what can I take away at the end? So if I'm a marketer, right, of course I want leads and I want to qualify them, right. And we'll capture that data. But then from a game point of view, what can I tell marketing? What can be the marketing next step? Do people understand my objectives or or not? Um, we're having hi everyone. We're having some work done in our yeah. house, and <laughs> so this is some folks that are here. Um, so, how you know what are the things that we can um, uh, do do right? Right, what can you do with that? So, if I find out that one of my marketing objectives isn't being met, I can create a vi- I can start to share and post event my video. I can share my white paper, right? Those can be part of my marketing follow Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And so when you work with uh, the exhibitors and planners, and how do you, you know, you obviously have, you have a set of goals or objectives, so you're talking about that with, with those uh, potential clients or those clients. How do you determine what those are and how do you get to those? How do you draw the line, you know? Sure.
1: So we have a four-step process that we meet with when, when a client decides what they want to do. Um, first of all, usually clients come in with a, with a vision of what they're trying to do. And then we, we have a four step process. And usually in that process, what we're going to do is, is in the kickoff meeting, we're going to talk to them about, um, how they want to execute their solution, right? So if their, if their goal is, um, let's just say leads and they need to, sometimes they call it churn and burn. If they need to do that, then what we're going to help them do is really try to get to the, um, uh, Get the lead data, you know. Get get the the person in, and get the lead there, and then get them out, right? So right. We'll, we'll have a game that's really a thirty second activation, right? That you know, or maybe a sixty second activation. So that so we'll try to do something like that. If they are about education, right, where I just talked about some of the data we can collect in education. So if that's their primary goal, in those instances, we're gonna recommend something different that will, um, you know, so that really reinforce. Focuses on reinforcing all those messages, right, and really gets them real solid data in that regard. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So obviously, you want to create something memorable. Does this? Uh, you find that this type of type of experiences, people come through and, and experience and go through these gamification things. Are they remembering? Are they are? Is it is it translating to sales and leads? And and how does that work as, as far as as the the client yeah. goes? What do they get out of it? And what have they shown as time goes by?
1: Yeah, yeah. So. So it really depends on the client, but we have a lot of clients that will double their leads, right? And and it depends on what the, where the client's starting point is, right? So for some folks, you know, like some folks only get 30%, and you could look at that and say, well, that's not very good. Well, if my booth is a 50 by 70, right, and I have heavy equipment in it, um, and I'm already getting a ton of leads, if I got 250 more leads, right, maybe that's only 30%, but... Hey, if the game brought that in, that's I'm happy. They could be delighted by that, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it just it it depends on what your your base is. But here's what I here's what I'll tell you: if um, if the clients are struggling to bring people into the booth, the the games can be very effective in two ways. First of all, um, according to CEIR, sixty seven percent they did some research on attendee engagement and asked attendees what do they want? 67% of those respondents to that survey said they preferred to learn through a game as opposed to other, other tools. Right? So that was one of their top top recommendations from the attendees point of view on how they wanted to learn. And again, this is CEIR. This isn't like something we did or, you know, right. You know, yeah, this is like grant. Yeah. We didn't interview five. You know, this isn't one of those like four out of five dentists, right? We only interviewed five. <laughs> right? Um, so the other, but the second thing that came out of that data was they asked, CEIR asked exhibitors, how many of you are using games and only 7% of the people said yes, wow. yeah. of the exhibitors. So, so my message is to folks is, hey, one, this is what people want, so they're going to do it. And two, not many people are doing it, so you're going to stand out.
0: You are. Show, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Now what? Now when you ask, you asked the part of your question was, "What do people remember?" The other side of that memory, what what people remember is, is the content. When they miss trivia questions, this is a it's big in trivia. When they miss that those questions, they remember, right? That's actually where you learn by making mistakes. So a lot more people are going to learn sense. from making mistakes. And some clients will say, you know, we have the ability to show the right answer, give an explanation, right, stuff like that. And so. You know, they'll make those types of choices.
0: So you, you don't want to make it too easy as far as the trivia goes. You want to put some really challenging things in there so that they have to learn something and then, then they'll remember it. That's interesting. Right, how, right. I'm sure going, uh, putting all that together is really a fascinating journey. So what about the booth staff itself? Um, how much do you work with them to make sure that they know how all this engages? Do you do some training? Do you sit down with them prior to the show?
1: Yeah. So So it depends on the client. So we have clients that are you know, get everything together weeks in advance so they can do boost staff training, internal reviews. And we also have clients that are working on it on Friday before the show on Monday. Right. Um, but here's what I'll tell you. All of our products are really simple. We rarely go on site. Um, only for like the, you know, if they're doing like 20 or 30 different things. Right. And those are in huge, huge spaces, usually at a conference as opposed to a booth. But, um, It's very simple. It's very simple to set up the software and it's very simple to use. One of the things that works really well in our trivia is it's self-service and if you have a prize just for the winner, it kind of just operates on its own and your booth staffers have time to monitor that, but also go talk to clients, right? So if you're short on booth staffers, they can go do this. Or if your booth staffers are all sales reps and it's day three and they're tired,
0: right? (laughs) It happens
1: you know, that the game doesn't get tired, right? So it's right. still doing its job. And so that that's one thing we tried to do is to really say, hey, if you're in a 10 by 10, and you only have a couple of people, or if you're in a big, huge booth, and you've got, let's just call them the set, the, you know, the the sales rep staffers, you know, how can we make these games work, so that the client doesn't have to have people around them all the time, right? right. Prize wheel is a, is a tricky one, because you do have to have someone giving out prizes, right? And that's, you know, but but that's you have that with a regular prize wheel as you would with a virtual
0: prize. wheel. Really Sam, fascinating to hear about all this stuff, Sam. We could talk about this forever, but it's kind of great to get an introduction to what you do. And so let's uh, find out uh, where people can find you online.
1: Okay. Yeah, um, they can find us at www.socialpoint.io.
0: Socialpoint.io. We'll make sure to put yep. that in the uh, uh, in in the show notes as well. And you guys are you can work anywhere in the country, or do you do international?
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, so since we hardly ever go any place, we do all of our setup through our four step process. And then, um, the, the clients usually do everything on site. And what we find is that we've, we've been doing this for so long that there's only a finite set of problems. Right. So and usually you, you've
0: understood it, those. <laughs>
1: yeah. And we usually we give we, we will tell them what they are. Um, but usually we give the clients access to our customer success team, their cell phone. So they can just text a picture. You know, sometimes email doesn't work or phone doesn't work on site, right? On the show floor. Right. But, but text always does. So they'll just text a picture and say, It are supposed to look like this. Why does it look like that? Right. And then usually it's you just plug in the cable is your laptop on the right resolution or whatever. Right. It's, 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 yeah.
0: Stuff it's that you've run funny. across before. Yeah. Cool.
1: And it's quick text. Here's what I'll tell you. The, the key thing is a quick text with a picture can solve a lot of things really fast. And then our folks can respond back and say, here's, it's this, try this or do this. Yeah. And then usually they're on their way and they don't have to wait. No one has to figure out. You know, there, there's just a, It's it's, we're just trying to make everything as smooth for the exhibitor. Yeah. Not like, somebody, right? <laughs> Not like 20 years ago when you had to fax
0: somebody, right? What's <laughs> that? Not like 20 years ago when you had to fax somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam, someone asked us the other day if we had a fax machine, and we we're like, <laughs> we don't have a fax machine where we are. And they're like, where yeah. are you? And we're like, 2019.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, where are you? Sam, it's been great. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for spending time here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks again to Sam Smith, of Social Point. I uh, really appreciate having him on the show today. Uh, check the show notes for links to find their websites. Uh, this week's trade show tip indeed revolves around gathering a crowd in your trade show booth. I think that's a key challenge for exhibitors. Uh, well, actually two keys. You need to figure out how to get as many people as possible to your booth. And then once you're there, you got to figure out what to do with them. You got to know what to do with them. And that's, that's two things. So once you get a crowd, the challenge is to not let too many of them get away without capturing information. Obviously the uh, first thing is to determine if they are a potential client. If so, drill down, find out more. Are they an influencer in their company? Are they a a, a decision maker? Are they looking to buy sooner, looking to buy later? Uh, And then get their information if it's critical and important. If they're not a a potential client, you probably don't need it. But if they are, you got to get it. You got to follow up. So scan their badge or get a business card or whatever your system is. You know, gathering a crowd is great. You can do it any number of ways. But your staff has to be prepared to work the crowd quickly and efficiently and capture those leads so they can be followed up on. All right, about time to wrap up. I want to share this week's one good thing, and, I, and it's maybe an odd one, but I think uh, it's the cannabis industry. And I say that because, uh, okay, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, I'm not a consumer these days. I rarely have ever consumed cannabis, but I just attended a retailer and dispensary show in Portland last week. And this is a growing industry, a legitimate industry, a multi-billion dollar industry legally. And it's changing before our eyes. Lots of money rushing in because investors think there's money to be made. And there is. In Canada, uh, recreational marijuana is completely legal, as it is in 11 states here in the U.S. and the District of Columbia. Another 22 states have some form of legalization, mostly medical. Illinois is, I think, the latest. They just became a uh, new state to go completely recreational, and it will take effect at the first Of the year, as a result, you know jobs being created, research is heavily underway in both THC and CBD form of uh, cannabis, as well as other cannabinoids. Uh, Fascinating to see the industry develop, and I'm curious to see how it will go. Uh, At I went to the show, the Rad Expo, the Retailer and Dispensary Expo in Portland uh, last week, and got into a conversation with a number of the exhibitors. One of them. Uh, said that he thinks that until federal restrictions are listed, some states will never go legal, even if the the federal restriction stays in place. So it'll be an an interesting mixture of some states where it's okay to own that weed (laughs) and other states where you can go to jail for it. Uh, But the federal laws will eventually, you know, uh, take over, I think, Uh, which is probably true. Some people believe that's a good thing. Others think it should stay illegal. So there we are back to a belief system (laughs) let's call it a day hope you have a great week and thanks for joining me here on trade show guy monday morning coffee